I am Ben Doc Askins, the psychedelic science war storyteller, and this is the Anti-Hero's Journey Podcast. Hey everybody, Doc here. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want it to be possible for me to continue to make it, then I'm going to need you to go to my store at antiheroesjourney.com and buy my audiobook and my ebook in one of the many translations available, or go to shop and pick out some of my stuff t shirts and hats and pet bandanas and bikinis and scented candles and all sorts of nonsense, all the things you could ever want and never need. And get 10% off with the code, all caps, FRIEND10. Go to antiheroesjourney.com and use the code, all caps, FRIEND10, to get 10% off anything that you could ever want there. I appreciate your support. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. What's up, all you anti-heroes journeyers out there? Doc Askins here with another one of these Q5 podcasts that I can't stop recording because I love to ask fun questions to cool people. And today I've got my good friend, Dr. Aaron Falls, also known as Dr. Aaron Fowlis. If she wants to explain that, she can, or if not, we'll leave it a mystery. She's a service-driven doctor on a mission to educate and challenge others to take charge of their health. She's a board-certified in family medicine, has practiced rural ER and hospital medicine before she settled into her true love of precision medicine and disease prevention. She now runs a virtual practice where she uses genomics and comprehensive data to co-create a health plan with her patients. She believes the majority of health is accomplished through daily habits, a philosophy sparked by her own health journey with autoimmune disease. She understands firsthand the overwhelming feeling of navigating our healthcare system, and more importantly, the liberation that comes with taking control of your outcomes through op- optimizing daily choices. Aaron, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. Hey, good to be here, man. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Well, I just jump right into things and uh, start with asking people that first question. What's your story? Lay it on me. Yeah, I love it. I was a little country kid growing up. My family grew up in 40 acres in rural Kansas. And then I grew up, I moved to a small town in Oklahoma. So not not too big of a jump when I was a little bit of an older kid Loved being outside from the time I was little, still do, still a bit of an outdoor junkie. Uh, was first doctor in my family, knew since I was like three though, no idea why, always knew I wanted to be a doctor, and which is a little odd looking back. Yeah, you didn't know any other doctors? You were just like looked out into space at three years old and was like healer. I just always wanted to do it. I did always love science too. This place seems <laughs> broken and I'm going to fix it. Is that what you were like at three years old? I don't old? know. I don't know. But it's <laughs> These people need help. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Childhood was good. Like mostly I think back to joyful memories. We definitely saw some little bit of mental health disease and substance abuse and some hard stuff, but I feel like pretty much most people do. And I uh, didn't really have my own like really big hard stuff until college, I would say, which was the first of a few major health concerns I had, which really kind of directed me in my journey in medicine. For the most part, I would say completely changed my trajectory, honestly. Initially, I I thought I was going to be a surgeon and this was going to be a whole other path for me. In undergrad, I got pretty ill with MRSA osteomyelitis and kind of overnight got 
taken out of college and it was like a whole whole couple year ordeal when it was all said and done. For listeners, if y'all don't know about what the words I just said, it's basically like a resistant bacterial infection in the bone that happened from a surgery. It's a big deal because you're on like IV antibiotics for a long time and had to have some bone removed. And it was a whole situation that was very humbling. And then I thought I was like fine after that. But that really, I think, rocked my system to go through all of that stress and those antibiotics and everything else. So, of course, I went like full speed ahead as soon as I was better. I went to medical school and was working probably 20 to 30 hours a week on top of that and was going to CrossFit and like probably doing way too much when I was a medical student. And then I got diagnosed with lupus a couple of years into that. So I think I just pushed things a little bit too hard. And that was what really, I think, woke me up to a lot of things in our healthcare system. Like I showed up to my rheumatology office and feel like complete crap for a year at that point, right? Because it takes a long time to diagnose these things. And he was like, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Take this med forever. It will slowly get worse, but this will help things. And I was like, well, that's not really how I work. Like... (laughs) That doesn't seem right. Is there anything I can do to to help these symptoms? Or is there anything I can do to like use my hands in the morning or not have to take a nap every day? So I'm missing hospital rounds or move back with my mom. Like these things were very real that were happening for me from my symptoms. And he was like full, full bore, like Western medicine, like no deviation. He was like, there's nothing that helps you know, you got to take these pills. And I was like terrified, right? Because we're around all kinds of diseases in medical school on hospital rounds and whatnot. And I'm like, I don't want to be on immunosuppressants. Immunosuppressants. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I just, that I was terrified initially when I left that office and super upset. But like looking back, that was like the pivot for me of like really lit a fire under my ass to learn everything and anything about how to feel better, which is essentially how everything else started for me. And so I initially went the regular healthcare route. I grew up in a rural area and I was just always on the side kind of learning this other way of doing things and learning how to fix my own body and learning how the body worked in a more natural way. And alongside that, I was going through medical school residency and you know doing all the things and I loved everything. And I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. So I did family medicine. I originally wanted to be a surgeon and I was really good at surgery and had a lot of pressure to do that from mentors. But I realized early on with my health concerns and just, I didn't want to only do that in my life. Basically, I was like, I love other things too. (laughs) So I decided to do family medicine as kind of a default because it included everything and didn't limit me. And then when I got through residency, I was like, man, I don't really believe in the way we do chronic stuff. Like, I don't know what I want to do, but I think I will really, really suffer inside if I just go sell my soul at some like random clinic and practice in a bunch of ways I don't completely believe in. So I became a hospitalist and did rural ER as well on the side. I was a hospitalist in Denver at a level one and it was like super fun. I did everything for three and a half years. I like really, really dug in there and did a ton of acute care medicine and like worked with people that were absolutely amazing. It was such a good experience. And I'm so glad I have it because it just like further, it, it kind of regained my trust in the traditional system of the things that we do really well. And I was a lot less jaded after that. 
but it did, I just never got rid of this burning like desire to do something better with the things that we didn't do as well. You know, the chronic conditions, the people that didn't have answers. Cause I was like, man, if I have family support, I had enough money ish to like get the care I needed. But compared to a lot of people, I had a ton of money. I had a background in medical school. I had family that was supporting me all the time. And I still had such a hard time getting through figuring out my autoimmune diagnosis. I was like, what the hell does everybody else do? You know, like, like <laughs> right, what right, do people yeah. do? You were in a really significant position to make a difference for yourself and still struggling. Like what are yeah. people who don't have the Aaron level education and drive and motivation and perspective on integrating Western and alternative medicines? Like what's everybody else do? when I was going to medical school and had all these symptoms, my sister's meal prepping for me, all these healthy things. And my mom's like, come stay if you need some extra support. Like I had everything, yeah, everything I needed. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so anyway, ultimately I ended up quitting like the, the best job ever on the best terms in Denver with people that are still some of my best friends and decided to start my own practice. And at that point yeah. I found wild health and I was like, Oh, I want to learn about genetics. I want to add this into the mix. And so I reached out asking if they could do any mentoring with that. And they were like, Oh, we're starting this fellowship. And then that's, you know, where I met, where I met you yeah. at the wild health <laughs> fellowship. Alumni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was just an amazing experience and unexpected unexpectedly ended up working with them for a few years as well and just had the best experience ever with the best people learning how yeah. to kind of like hone my skills in precision medicine and and get a lot more deliberate about the data I got on people and how to blend what I was already doing with their daily habits and lifestyle choices, et cetera, with what data can really, really give us when we're getting the right the right information on people. And then just recently went back to doing my own practice full time because it was just it was just starting starting yeah. to get a little too big. So it's been really, really fun. Yeah. yeah. And then got married a year ago. So that was that was awesome. Got married a yeah. little congratulations. Yeah, I've been following along on the social medias, seeing all the happiness there. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so that was a little bit later in life. My husband is in motorsports industry and does race car driving and all this crazy stuff. And he's wow. hilarious. <laughs> the joke about our name is that he's Filipino, but when we go to Mexico, he's really tall and big for a Filipino. When we go to Mexico, I think people think he's Mexican. And so they always call us the phalluses. And so, some people in the States call us the phalluses too, but we're the falls. I'm, I'm going to start now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's been amazing. We actually, we had a little bit of a, a tough first year of marriage. We had, I unknowingly, which is kind of ironic being in the field of epigenetics with precision medicine and doing so much training in that, I unknowingly had a karyotype abnormality that I was diagnosed with, which we learned on our journey to try to start a family. Oh wow! So we had we had a tough a tough first year of marriage, but it brought us super super close. We we had a number of miscarriages, and now we're pursuing IVF to start a family, which is not oh, what I do wow. as as a holistic oh, yeah. physician. But it's taught me. Oh my gosh, I knew nothing about the whole fertility industry. And, and I, I feel like it's brought so much breadth to what I can bring to women's health and a lot of the struggles that, that women have. And we're just, I feel like we're so lucky that there's, you know, science is advanced to where we can safely, you know, start a family in, 
in a way that works for us. So it's, it's all, it's all going well now. Yeah, that's awesome. I had no idea about the last year or some of those things, but like, there's just such a gap around women's health. Mm-hmm. Not just in practice, but in research too. Like it's kind of that cliche truism that you learn in school in peds has taken on like, you know, like kids aren't just little adults or whatever, but that women aren't just little men. Like it's been like 10 minutes since researchers kind of recognize that. Yeah. I love Stacey Sims book, Roar. If anybody out there hasn't heard of that one, pick that one up. I think she's got a sequel that she just put out, but try trying to address some of those gaps, right? Between just in the way that research was done, especially around hormones and stuff that just, it doesn't even make sense why the research was done that way for decades, other than the cultural background of some of those sorts of situations. But it's awesome that you're in that space and filling some of those gaps, even though I know that's a difficult reason to find yourself kind of thrust into that industry, like you were saying. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Oh, of course. I feel like it's important. I mean, so many women struggle with it and it's not talked about a ton, I think, because it's hard. And I think there's sometimes some shame attached to it for some people, which is unfortunate. I, I felt really lucky that I had already learned how important addressing, I mean, a lot of what I do with autoimmunity, a huge percentage of my patients have a history of significant trauma. There's an enormous overlap and I don't only deal with autoimmune, but it's kind of my niche. It's, it's kind of people find me that have, (laughs) have difficult autoimmune conditions. And that just ends up being my average patient, but there's such a huge overlap with trauma. So I have such a passion for addressing that type of root cause. And when we were going through this in the last year, I was like, okay, this is like some real trauma. At one point there was like three back to back to back. And I was like, I I really need to address this. And I didn't want to, you don't want to look in those like dark crannies or like nooks and crannies and like deal with all that shit. Right. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this because I don't want this to catch up to me 10 years later, or I don't want it to catch up. Like I want to enjoy pregnancy when we're finally able to experience that if we're finally or parenthood in whatever way that comes for us. Right. Like I don't want this like to be chasing me. So I dove in and did EMDR and did, you know, some deep work on it while kind of right like near after it was happening. And I don't think I would have even known those skills had I not, you know, done the work I've already done in my life with the patients I've been so lucky to work with. And so it it ended up being such a learning experience for my husband and I both and brought us really, really close. We obviously didn't expect it. We we like didn't we accidentally got pregnant right before our wedding. You know, it was just like a deep dive from like such a roller yeah. coaster from there. But just straight into it. Yeah. But you know what? You find out real quick if you're with the person you're supposed to be with and you learn each other well. And so it it ended up exactly like it should, I think. That's you know, that's that sort of tragically beautiful sort of thing, right? Your your ability to integrate totally some of those aspects of your story or uh it's like a mosaic, right? It's broken glass, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's it's been so interesting how many of my patients have brought their stories and that to me since they've... I've been fairly public about our journey. And that's just been always something that's important to me about... I feel like if I lead first with my own health journeys that I faltered and I fumbled and I had no idea what I was doing for a long time, it really, I feel like, helps my patients bring their real self to me when they come to work with me and connect with me, which just, I mean, it makes it actually work. They can actually get better when they bring their like full self. And I've been surprised at how many women have had very similar struggles 
and it's been really kind of beautiful. Like they've, I've, they've kind of, a lot of them have opened up to me about, about what they've been through and I had just no idea. Strategic navigators reduced my income tax bill by over 50%. These guys save entrepreneurs anywhere from 40 to 60% on their income taxes. Click the link in the description to schedule a call and see what these guys can do for you. If you enjoy paying as much as possible in taxes, then just ignore everything I just said. Yeah, I feel like I could ask you about your story for the rest of the day, but we had a plan and I'm going to stick to the plan here and roll from your story to your intentions. Question one's kind of about where you're coming from and question two is about where you're headed. So what are your intentions, Erin Fowlis? I just want to keep figuring this journey out. I've had so many surprises and where my career has taken me in healthcare I know I, I do believe it will stay in healthcare. I don't know that I will clinically practice forever. That could change. I don't know. But I really want to create a space, I think in large part with me, that will be through education because I have a huge, huge passion for health education. But I want to create a space where people can get answers in how to empower themselves on their health journey because I feel like our current system is very just like inherently victimizing, like even the way we diagnose people, like take the word diabetic, like we like literally label a human being for you are a diabetic. When, when really you have a problem managing energy that's coming into your body, how do we fix that? Right? Like, you know, and it's just, I feel like the whole system's a little bit backwards and I, it, it, it's a quite a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. You have an ATP management problem. Yeah. I mean, that's really <laughs> what it is. And how many people in wild health do we see or in, you know, my practice currently, do we see completely reverse that and never have an issue again? And in medical school, we don't even learn it's possible to reverse diabetes, you know? So right. Yeah. It's like every diagnosis is a terminal diagnosis in school, I swear. Right, exactly. And I feel like it just really strips the power away from people when we give them those labels. And so I really want to create a space and an environment in my company and in my practice where people can really take their power back and learn how to best navigate their own health in their bodies to have the best outcome possible. And so I think a lot of that will be through, you know, right now, a lot of it's through personal one on one care in a clinic in a regular kind of, well, it's not a regular setting. It's for, it's all virtual. So I guess that's not a regular setting, but I really want to do it on a bigger scale through more educational purposes. Cause I quite frankly feel like 80% of what I say is the same to like different categories of people. And not that that 20% is not important, but like not everybody has enough money to spend on or wants to spend on, you know, the kind of care that is offered when you get this level of data, but like they could spend maybe three, 400 bucks on a set of information that they could just like take at their own pace and employ with their day-to-day life. So creating content like that, where people can have better access to learning how to, how to take care of themselves is really, really where I want to take it next. It's super helpful that it's kind of a one and done test in a lot of ways, right? Whenever you're incorporating that genomic data, it's not monitoring the labs looking for significant epigenetic changes in the genome or something as time goes on. You kind of 
got dealt the cards you got dealt and we can incorporate that into the overall picture of your care going forward is what it sounds like you're you're talking about and that's cost effective across the lifespan right totally yeah i like those intentions a lot so we talked a little about where you where you're from and we talked a little about where you're wanting to go and the way that i like to try to bridge the past and the future on these podcasts is to ask people about gratefulness to draw us into the present so what are you grateful for my friend I feel really, really grateful for the way I was raised because I feel like I've always had this joy in me as well as like kind of a curiosity out of fight. And I feel like had I not had those things, it would have been a really tough few experiences, especially with some of the health concerns that I went through for quite a few years of my life, honestly. But I was really raised in a way that to kind of take things and look at how to grow from them and how to serve from that space. And and I feel really, really grateful for that because I feel like it could have really knocked me to my knees. And then more than anything, I'm, I'm just really grateful to have a body that works and functions well and thrives. And like, I can go on a trail run today. I can go do really anything I want. And I didn't think that was going to be possible many times in my life. So, you know, and I've already also mentioned the gratitude for the level of like scientific advance to where my husband and I can, can start a family, we hope. So that's another one, a big one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah. It's such a, like a miracle. It's like miracles on top of miracles being able to do IVF, right? Like just making another human inside of a human is a miracle all by itself, but then figuring out how to, you know how to bridge the gap for a whole bunch of people who wouldn't be able to do that. Otherwise it's just miracle stacking or something to me. It's magic. Totally. Yeah. Those are some beautiful things to be grateful for. So with all of your story and all of your imagination and intentions and all of your gratefulness, what are you creating? Oh, I think I already kind of answered this. Sorry. I think I skipped ahead in the intention question. It really comes back to creating that space for patients where they can have the information they need to create the health that they that they want to have. Because I feel like there's a big block. Like I feel like people uh, will try to figure out how to get healthy, and they're told like, "Oh, stop stressing," or "Oh, like eat healthy and work out." Things get more sunshine. Things that are so like big and vague that like you don't even know where to start. How do I get healthier? Yeah. Be healthy. Right. Do healthy like, things. Stop stressing is my like, <laughs> like decrease stress in your life. It's like my least favorite piece of advice ever that, right. that right. doctors can I'm give. I'm stressed out. What do I it's do? It's like doc? doctors don't. Uh, stress less. Yeah. It's like doctors don't know what causes <laughs> something. So like, oh, it must be stress. The junk drawer diagnoses and stuff. Must be autoimmune. Right. Must be psych. Right. So I want to create a lot of education and content around these things that are super actionable for people, basically, in different categories. Yeah. My new kind of passion for women's health and fertility is probably going to be one. Autoimmune is certainly going to be one. A few different aspects of women's health for sure. I really want to create some education and content around that. And then ultimately, like big blue sky dream, I think it would be really, really badass to have a facility where all these people that like know how to do chronic disease better and how to actually solve problems can come together and in a space where someone can just go and freaking get answers and get better. So uh, that would be, that would be a really, really badass, like ultimate blue sky dream. Yeah. You're going to start a center for excellence. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think you could do it. 
just hearing your story in this condensed way and everything, you know, like family practice docs get underestimated a lot of the time. Like I got the PA education and I feel real glad because I had, I got forced to learn like in the family practice model, even though I'm practicing in psychiatry now. And I mean, the family practice doctor that I had for my family practice rotation at Fort Campbell was a genius. Like there was, he was omnicompetent, like just knew such a breadth and depth of so many different things. And then he double clicked on stuff, right. And kind of had the stuff that he was interested in and got really not specialist level, but almost knowledge in those areas. And that's what I hear in a whole bunch of your story is that real breadth of knowledge and experience. But then you've double clicked on some real important things and gotten to not quite specialist level knowledge of those things. Undersell it. You probably know more than some of the specialists out there about autoimmune and now getting into some of the women's health stuff. So I think you'd be the person for it, for what my two cents of an opinion's worth. That's awesome. Well, I think adding like a mental health component to something like that would be completely necessary for so I might have to like pick your brain on some of it too, or recruit, recruit you someday, doc. Let me know how I can help. And I'll, I'll put a shoulder under the rock and we'll roll it up the hill together for as long as I can. Okay. I mean, I all joking aside, I do feel like the level of like, not to be like, it's probably stress. Like I'm being the doctor I hate, but the, <laughs> but the <laughs> level of like trauma overlap with chronic disorders in general and the level, and maybe if it's not like huge trauma, but just like dysfunctional response to like daily, daily stressors is yeah, like, it's a cumulative it is, break. It is so yeah. important with most chronic diseases. So all joking aside, that probably would be really important there. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Yeah. And it's good to make jokes about serious things from totally. time to time. Totally. Every so. day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good for your mental health. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> well, awesome. Creating beautiful things in a blue sky perspective there. Let's see what happens. That brings us around, though, to everybody's favorite, the fifth and final question. Who are you really? Who am I really? I totally forgot about this question. It makes it even better. Just, just send it. Yeah. Honestly, I just feel like I'm here to serve. That's what I've always felt since I was little. I'm mostly on a day-to-day, a total goofball, and I run late to most things, and I'm, like, super creative, and I love learning. Like, I'm just saying random things about myself. I'm extremely close with my family. (laughs) I love our chickens. I could go on. But but, uh, on, like, a deeper level, I'm, like, I feel like it's my job to live like in this life, I feel like it's my job to live my life the best that I can and learn the most that I can about my experience and then support others in that endeavor, if at all possible in passing on what I've learned. So I've just always felt a call to have a life of service since I was a very small child. And I I don't know why. And it has never gone away, which made medical school a lot more fun. Because I think a lot of people that were in medicine for different reasons were like, this is hard. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I just always, always were there to do work in the first place. I've always loved it. I've always loved learning. I still love learning. I still try to learn every day. So that's, I guess that's it in a nutshell, in a very like roundabout nutshell. Yeah. A servant and a learner and a chicken lover, I think you said in there somewhere. (laughs) Well, we live in the city, but we try to make it a little bit of a farm. So we have. Yeah. Urban farming. (laughs) Nice. I like it. 
That's a beautiful thing. Well, that's awesome. Well, do you have any final thoughts that you'd want to share with our audience? No, I'll just reach out if you want to learn anything about women's health or autoimmune or chickens or, you know, other things. Yeah. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Through my website, which has my email on it, the com or Instagram is, I'm not on all the socials. I'm not the best at social media, but I do have Instagram. It's at the Dr. Aaron. So y'all can reach out to me on either of those platforms. Perfect. We'll put that in the show description too, so that people can click on it if they want Love to. It. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, my yeah, friend. Yeah, it's good to see you as always. I've been trying to read your shirt the whole time that we've been it's rebel. My, my friend owns this uh, Rebel Sailor Brewing Company up in upstate New York. Got it. And, uh, I don't know if he made the shirt for me or not. It's got like an Icelandic proverb on the back <laughs> that says... Um, it says, beware the man who doesn't drink and I don't drink. Nice. So I was like, oh, he made that for me. Whether he knows it or not, he made that for me. So I bought the shirt. That's hilarious. Just, like, I don't really drink either. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just realized I stopped drinking a while back. Neurocardiotoxins for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pass. It's fine. You don't need Enjoy it. Enjoy it if you do. If not, no, you know, no judgment. It's just not going between these lips anyway. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, good to see <laughs> you, Ben. Doc out.